So that was a great episode. We just had Scott Henman, agency partner, trumpet player, and dad from Michigan Insurance and Financial Services on the show. Scott talked about how important it is to be authentic and about his role as an educator, as well as a producer in his agency, about 75 agencies across Michigan. And I was really interested to hear about how he's taken on the responsibility of training and sharing knowledge across the agency, because frankly, commercial insurance is a complicated space. And the more you understand the nuances and can propagate that knowledge to the rest of your agency, the, the more effective you'll be as a company and the better you'll be able to serve your clients. So with that, uh, here's the start of the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and today I'm joined by Scott Henman, agency partner, trumpet player, and dad at Michigan Insurance and Financial Services. Scott, welcome to The Enlightened Agent. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Glad to have you. Kick things off, Scott. I know you and your agency are leaning into technology, you know, new users of our platform, excited to have you, but I, I'd like to know, and, and I'm sure our listeners would like to know more about you as we get into the show. So if you don't mind, you know, who got Henman and, and what do you do today? Well, as a, an insurance agent, I'm one thing, but at home, I also am a father to four kids and got my wonderful wife, who's the leader of our family. And truly wouldn't be where, where I am today without, with all the things that have brought me here, right? Can't have tomorrow without what came before. So, you know, really proud of the work that our agency has been able to accomplish in the last few years. We've got a great team of people and uh, it's just an exciting time to be in insurance. I agree. I agree. Never thought I would ever say that, but, um, you know, coming from the technology space, insurance wasn't my first choice of industry, but once I found my way into it. I'm confident I'll never leave. So a lot of opportunity and it's a great place to be. So part of your title, you said agency partner. Any more you can tell us about that in terms of your role at, at MIFS? Yeah, sure. So here at Michigan Insurance and Financial Services, we have a group of 10 agencies across Michigan that are, you know, that's our agency footprint. We also have our leadership team at our headquarters in Utica. And what's really nice is that each agency partner owns and operates their own book of business said as though it was its own independent retail agency, but collectively our work together and the collaboration of ideas amongst all these different people from the CSRs and the agent owners and or agency partners like myself and the sales producers and the leadership team. When we all come together and, and try to tackle an idea, we've got 75 folks that all have some idea of, what's been working, what hasn't, what have been our pain points, what are our clients' pain points? How can we make this easier for us? Because insurance companies want us to write their business, but a lot of times it's really difficult to place business with them because it's not always easy to do business with. And while we're easy to do business with, we often are finding ourselves trying to leap over an obstacle, whether it be a platform issue, a claims issue, a billing issue, you know, perceptions by the clients and of our own. So when we see something, we have that conversation about it, we're able to do it. And as the education chair of our agency council, I'm actually able to take and synthesize a lot of the coverage ideas and process ideas and share them to say, this is the way that has worked best in this case, hasn't worked well here. You can try this, 
you can utilize this and you can even make it your own because it's all about being authentic in front of the client. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, like having that sort of partner responsibility and, and training responsibility. You got to, you're in a really powerful position, right? So I, I'm, I'm certain that being in the middle between clients and carriers, there's a never ending set of challenges and trying to match, you know, the right client with the right partner and the right coverage and a lot of lessons to learn in the middle. And frankly, with a changing, changing environment around coverages and insurance, right? The, the lessons, you know, the lessons don't end, right? Things that worked two years ago may not work this year. Right. I can remember as many as six, seven years ago, sitting in professional development seminar, learning about Hartford steam boilers, cyber policy, and thinking to myself, wow, when is, when is this is hot and buzzworthy, but are my clients actually going to take this? And what we found is that if you actually lead with a lot of the things that aren't talked about, and hmm. six years ago, cyber wasn't really talked about. It was new. You know, everybody was thinking that they weren't Target or a major bank that was going to get hacked and their customer data being stolen. But truth is, if you look at the data, the statistics say that a smaller business, especially a mom and pop who utilize a lot of paper or unsecure web access, Wi-Fi, uh, tablets or computers or iPods that travel with, with sales folks or employees, they're really exposing themselves if, to it un- unknowingly. They, yep. Any bad actor can have five seconds of unsecured Wi-Fi accessing and get the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. When we think about the process that we take with the client, and we talk about disruption a lot in our agency, we bring that cyber to the forefront of the conversation and say, okay, so we're going to look over your policies, but first let's take a look at the cyber or the data breach liability. And a lot of times the the eyes go blank and there's some silence on the other end and they say, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and it's a perfect opportunity to take their bias of how they think that conversation is going to go yep. and offer an opportunity to, for them to have a greater understanding of the risks that their business take. Once you open up that line of under, seeking to understand, they're really going to start asking other questions. Well, what about this part of my policy? And we're all, you know, we're talking about slips and falls on general liability. We're talking about contractors, errors and emissions, but what is cyber liability? What, why is it a thing? And why is it now on coming on homeowners policies? Why, and including anti-bullying measures hmm. so that if your child is actually bullied, there are carriers that have added cyber liability that will pay for the cost of counseling or other wow. needs that your child may have because they were the victim of cyberbullying. And these are things that as you talk to parents, it's not just an umbrella policy, right? So if your kid says something to someone else, you're inherently liable for that, right? Yep. Or you're, but what um, if your my, kid's on the receiving end? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. My kids are six and seven and they don't have devices yet, or at least not communication devices. But I know you said you had four kids. I got to imagine one of them's a device level age. So that stuff oh. gets really gets really relevant. Yeah, they all are. You know, from six to ten years old are the ages, and you know the the oldest is asking for TikTok and Facebook and Insta and all these things. And I'm sitting here on the other end of that conversation, wondering why it became such a thing that they're addicted to. And there's a lot of FOMO, right? Fear yep. of missing out amongst these kids that my friends are doing it, so I got to do it. And I, I see these creators and these kids that are making millions of dollars a month playing video games or making, you know, funny videos. 
I want to do that too. I want to be a part of that. But then when they get into it, it's that dopamine response, that <laughs> rush of you get sucked in and adults, we get in it too. How many times have we all sat on the toilet, right? With our phones in our hands and we can't stop. We know that they get to the end of the video in six <laughs> minutes, but we can't stop watching the whole video because yep. it's just this. And when my oldest uh, says, oh, that is so satisfying to watch. It's cringy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's something about the experience Content might be different by age, but the experience, uh, the constant sort of changing of information and new information and new content is just, it's, it's addictive, which is, which is dangerous. So I, th I think you guys are smart to lead with cyber as a conversation. It's a, it's a lot going on in the news about breaches around that. So I think that's clever. You know, I think it raises an interesting question about who you're, you know, who are your clients? I think this is kind of getting to know you a little bit more because like you said, some of your clients are probably saying, well, you know, why do I need cyber? But what's an example of the types of companies you work with? You're on the commercial side. Is that correct? Right. I primarily focus on new business for on the commercial side of things, although our agency has built itself up on the backs of home and auto, just like a lot of retail independent agencies do. Yep. But the the, uh, the commercial space offers, again, so much opportunity for education. And as yep. a CIC, just being able to share that knowledge. So with the certain clients, there isn't one one specific type of commercial client that cyber is for if we're focusing on that right it's it's a broad path but the kinds of clients that we find the most success with are going to be the restaurant owners we focus on uh, concrete fi floor finishers and polishers that's actually a new niche in the concrete world mm. uh, and those folks that have technology that travels outside or they have the payment processing yep. or they collect data or share data at some point in time, that data is worth so much to so many people, credit cards, uh, uh, data yeah, birth, address, <laughs> all that stuff. Yep. So you get, it's gold. It is. It's plastic gold. <laughs> you know, the Digital gold now, right? Yeah, digital, so, yes. Digital gold now. So better. So these guys, they come in with the idea of, hey, yeah, you can quote my stuff. You know, thanks for calling. I, I need to save some money. I'm paying too much for insurance. That's how every conversation goes. And again, it drives down into how they expect that conversation to go. And by leveraging not just the knowledge, but also the technology behind it, how do we present that to them in a way that is meaningful? It, but sure. it's also in that sort of tech addictive way because they want that people are craving to be able to do more and more and more on their personal devices, whether it's a phone, a tablet, an iPad, whatever. And so how can we maintain the authenticity of our relationship and our role and set the right expectations initially so that we can get over that hump of, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You want to save money. I'm here yep. to tell you, you shouldn't pay more than you have to but let's take a look at what you're choosing to pay for. Yeah. yeah. I know that feeling of walking into a conversation, you know, saying I want to pay as little as possible and want the most protection. And I don't want all the extra bells and whistles. And then slowly you start to realize, actually, let's be a little bit more thoughtful about how we go about this and um, get the coverage we need. So thanks for, for sharing that about you and about, about the work you do and, and the way you approach it. I think that's super interesting. One of the things that, I like to talk about with guests on the show is is kind of their evolution in the space. Everybody's got a how did I get into insurance story? I it's not my favorite question. My my favorite question around insurance career is is really about what's the most significant event 
that you had in your career in insurance? Like what, was there something that happened somewhere along the way that, that really changed things for you? I, I think that'd be an interesting part, a part of your story to tell. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's every superhero has an origin story, right? And <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah. To come to that, I, I still remember about to graduate from Michigan state and I didn't have a business degree, but I wanted to get a job in business and everybody was telling me no, no, no. And by the, it was in the middle of May that I showed up, or I'm sorry, middle of April that I showed up to a, a job fair and I was rolling down the list of everybody that was there. Oh, Disney's here. So Cedar point, cause they're local to Michigan. They're yep. uh, the FBI. Great. I speak Spanish. They, they want me to translate for them, but I don't want to sit in the cubicle all day long. So this is kind of, eh. all right, here we go. Affleck. <laughs> And I look up and literally right there is this guy with a chuckle-headed grin on his face. And I'm going to send this to him and he's going to listen to it and go, yep, that's me. Because he calls me the chucklehead. Mm-hmm. And he, he's kind of motioning for me to come over. And I said, who, me? Yeah, you. And he looks at my resume, you know, printed on the nice ivory cotton paper, you know, it's all fancy. And he looks and says, the words that I've been wanting to hear forever. He said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Hey. And I was in shock. And I said, to do what? (laughs) And he said, to sell insurance. And I thought, yeah, no, you're kidding. Oh, man, I'm going to. All right, I'll talk to you for a few more minutes. I got licensed within two weeks, and I walked into the office in Southfield, Michigan, two days after I walked across the stage at Michigan State to get my diploma. And he, Mike Ritter, he was an amazing fellow. He's a fantastic mentor. He was able to help help me understand how to talk to business owners that didn't want to talk to me. He was able to help me understand my value and something about Mike is, and I talk about authenticity so much. He never was anybody else but himself. And that lesson right there has stuck with me the entire time. So whenever we talk to a customer, you know, salespeople talk about, you know, sales chameleons or, you know, changing the way, and you know, we talk about mirroring in the sales process, right. Is a, almost a, a silver bullet because that's, not just customers, but people like to do business who appear similar to them, right. whether it's a tone of voice, inflection, accent, appearance, or body language. This guy was always the same and treated everybody with the same level of respect. And I, I still cannot get over that. So when That's we're interesting. Past- you, you got Go the ahead. different, you got the different strategies, right? You got the, you know, the mirroring strategy to your point, right? Which is you want to kind of portray to somebody else, something that's similar and, and, familiar. And then you've got the, you know, high on the principle, this is who I am and I'm never going to change sort of view. And, and both can be inviting, right? I mean, for me, it's like when I meet somebody who's seems a lot like me, I feel comfortable. On the other hand, when I meet somebody who's just, you know, they've got clear, strong principles and they're going to stick behind them. I'm, I feel very safe and secure with that person. So do you lean towards one or the other or, or what's your approach on that when you're, when you're working with clients? As I aged, I realized that, uh, or age, well, I am aging too, but as I got, went through from Aflac to Allstate to the independent agency model, I realized that you can blend the two because we are a pastiche personality, right? We are who I am today and who you are today, Jason, is a makeup of all the other experiences that we've had. So when you ask yourself the question, what is your true authentic self? You are a collaboration of other experiences and other people that have touched you or you've been a part of their lives forever. So when you take the moment to think about who your customer is and take a moment to ask them some questions, you can then take those best parts of you and match 
find a match, hopefully, with yeah. those best parts or, or the necessary parts of the other individual. So are you actually taking away from the authenticity by being a little bit of what that other person needs you to be? Absolutely not. Because no. that is part of your authentic self. Right. You're just identifying the part of your authentic self that happens to match with theirs as Correct. a way of building a connection. Correct. And that. sometimes it doesn't work. But that, <laughs> <Right. yeah. laughs> sometimes you're talking to a jerk and you don't want to do business with them. And, and you know, you kind of have to make that choice. So, right. Well, we talk about bias a lot in our sales training. We talk mm. about how, again, that customer has an idea of how this conversation or process is going to go. But then when we use with our commercial accounts, when we say, all right, so here's what we need to get started. And you hear the sigh and the on, yeah, I'll have my assistant scan and fax or email everything oh. over to you. I say, no, 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 no. You know what? That's great that you have that capability. But if it's all right, I'd like to give your assistant access to your own customer portal. <laughs> yeah, your customer portal. We're actually going to create one for you so that we can gather the data when it's timely for you, when your assistant has the time to do it. Yep. Right. Because if you give someone a deadline and a task, if there's other more pressing things for the business, then it becomes something that's unmanageable or unwanted. It's, it's not desired activity. Yep. And so it becomes a friction point. And if you've got to work with that person later, that administrative person to say, can you help me get a driver list? Can you help me do this? No, I'm just going to send you a link and you're going to upload the schedule of units and drivers at your, at your business. Really? That's amazing. Much easier. Right. Much so easier. all of a sudden that disruption and that, that use of technology, it's not how they've expected it to go, where they could have a 10 minute call, tell you their payroll numbers and revenue and tax ID, and then you follow back up in a week with some more questions before you get a quote. And then they expect the numbers. So when you take it off of the immediacy of the numbers and you say, this is our process, this is new for you, I understand that, they're more likely to buy into the whole process. Yep. Good. Smart. I like that approach. I happen to be a big fan of the technology piece of it. So as you, as you might imagine, we'll, we'll come back to that in, a, in sure. a few minutes. You talked about your origin story, right? For the, the, the Scott Hedman superhero. I think that's, sounds like it was at the beginning of your career, which is awesome. That not everybody has that right at the beginning, but that good to hear that, that that's when yours took place. I'm curious, change is a big topic in the industry. You mentioned disruption and I'm curious, you know, what you've seen that's changed in the industry since you started, since your superhero moment, and what else you think needs to change? Sure. Well, you know, we are going to come back to Broker Buddha and the technology piece of it. But honestly, paper applications have gone the way of the dodo bird for right. most companies. And those that are still utilizing them, behind the eight ball, truly. What we, Just like you can get a quote from Rocket Mortgage on your phone, you can scan your W-2 or your pay stub and it uploads everything. We have seen customers find ways to avoid interaction with us, <laughs> which is actually a good thing because customers want to interact, but they want to do it on their own time. Yeah. Previously, insure, you know, as little as two years ago, I still would talk to customers and say, listen, insurance to a lot of folks is like going to the dentist twice a year for your cleaning. <laughs> it stinks. You got to spend half an hour every six months on it. But, you yeah. know, at the end of the day, you do feel better about it. But it doesn't always have to feel that way. So as we've seen social media, advertising for insurance has absolutely been insane. We talked about you know the, the social media accounts, TikTok. I really wish that I could find a way to make insurance funny 
and do it on TikTok. But all I can think about is putting a picture up of a giraffe and putting a picture up of a pit bull. And one caption says, no, this isn't a pit bull at all. And then it's, no, this is not a pit bull. And that's a giraffe because customers never want to believe that their dog could you know, cost them more money on their homeowner's insurance. Yep. But that's about the extent of my creative drive and or creative abilities, I should say. Drive is much greater <laughs> than the abilities. Yeah. But when we see the advertising and the, the the search engine optimization, we see the amount that we're that as an independent agency we compete with major carriers for for accounts on even Facebook or Google. Yep. It's costly. So how do you drive down your costs and increase your return on those investments? You know, what does your Facebook page look like? Are you talking? Are you doing the nine and one or the eight and two? You know, five memes, three jokes, and uh, and one article about insurance plus the weather that yep. weekend. You got a, well, you got your you, you got your your social media language down. I like that. I think you <laughs> clearly spent a lot of time there. So we have, and that's we know that we can drive customer engagement in those ways, but we still have to be able to convert those opportunities, and it's got to be quick. It's got to be easy for all these clients. So how can we utilize data aggregation? We actually have been developing at the agency level, the headquarters level, an AI program. That, uh, that helps get instant proofs of insurance. It syncs up with our text messaging software and our agency management system. So if you're a client of our office and you text the word policy to our phone number or whichever agency phone number you have, it's actually going to kick back instantly within 10 seconds ID cards for all the vehicles on your account. What? Yes. You guys build that in-house? Yes. That's pretty cool. Are you a right. programmer? What, what, where did this come no, from? This no, no. Is- our agency principal, Brian, he's an amazingly intuitive individual. And okay. our VP of operations, Mick McNeil, he has done such a great job of, he's the organizational planner and he, he's our spreadsheet guy. Every piece of data. So when we have the phone system, the VoIP phone system, we can drill down and find out. The first step was building out the phone system where could identify what customers were asking for. So when they call in, no longer does it go right to our phones, but it goes through a little bit of an IVR. Yep. You want, what are you looking to do today? And we have it so the mortgage companies don't even get, don't even get in touch with us anymore. They're directed <laughs> you, you to email out. us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to waste time with that. That's not timely, good, timely work for us. No. But we still handle it for the client. So that was the first step. And once we had about six months of data, I think it was, the next step was to develop, okay, what are the processes that we can then tree this out, basically, yep. phone tree? And we found that a lot of customers were simply calling in for simple things like paying their bill, proof of insurance. Yep. So the proof of insurance was easy to integrate, right, with APIs and things like that. Other things, adding a car, we haven't been able to, to we haven't gotten to that level yet, but we have a, a data collection point where, hey, you're adding a car, here's a link, send the enter in the year, make, model, and VIN. And now here's a temporary ID card. And we've, if it's on the weekend, we've got four days to get it added out of your policy. Yep. So you can actually get it done even while you're not a hold of us. So yeah, the, the, the speed is changing. Yeah, the, the schedule management is, is a non-trivial uh, complexity of the space that you know we deal with a lot with applications and renewals, but the whole servicing of the account is still very time consuming. And so there's a lot of missing tech, I would say, in that area and a lot of opportunity. So good to hear that that smart people are have identified that as a need as well. So yeah. InsureTech is a is a hot topic, right? You've kind of already started to talk about that a little bit. Anything else that you've seen out there? Either, you know, you guys have built some stuff in-house, but you know, what else have you seen? What else do you love? What what can you share with our 
our listeners about Good InsureTech? Good InsureTech is only as good as the people that decide to opt into it. And so if there's not a huge buy-in at your agency, you're going to have struggles implementing it. Sure. Uh, and every agency has a culture that's defined there, right? And if you can create that culture of education and process and do it consistently, you're going to sell billions and billions of burgers, just like McDonald's did. Yep. You know that when you get a Big Mac, in the United States at least, you're going to get the same Big Mac anywhere else. Pretty much. Uh, I hope so. Right. So if you can create that, then you can grow and you can scale, right? That's the idea is to grow and to scale. How do you do that? What's the First, you have to figure out your customer acquisition. There are plenty of CRM tools out there for you, bots on your Facebook page, chat bots, all sorts of features that can, when you ask people to engage with you, when they do, you can speed that process along. But if you don't have buy-in or you don't fully know how to utilize it by every member of your team, then truly you are only as strong as your weakest link in that regard. So when it comes to InsureTech, we found, and I found that, you can have as many different resources as you want, but you will get overloaded. It's just very similar to a customer with a policy. They have more need for coverage to buy than they have dollars to buy it with. Hmm. I'll always have more coverage to sell, <laughs> but what are they going to do with it? Right? right. I'm not going to sell DNO to a, a client that you know works, sits at home and does data entry, right? They're required to have a BOP because and a million dollars liability because they contract with somebody. Yep. But that's not their need. As you say, we just I just did a presentation on on change management and big part of that is getting that early buy-in and helping people through the journey. So you know making sure that people understand why you're adopting technology. They understand how it's going to help them. They understand you know, that it's going to be a process, right? That it's, it's, you know, unlike mobile apps and Amazon, right? Any, any technology, any B2B technology is going to require some level of familiarization, understanding, you know, figuring out how it fits with your operations and workflows. And that's not just as simple as buying it and installing it. There's a process you have to go through with that. So. Right. Um, And are you, and are you duplicating processes? Do you have the right technology in place? Zapier is a fantastic integrative tool, but not a lot of people know how to use it and set that up. And so yep. a lot of agencies almost need to have somebody either paid out of right offsite in order to help them do that or have somebody specifically to do that for them. We've played around with that. We are still, you know, in the nascent stages of, of will this be a thing, right? And that's yep. specific to my location where I'm at. Because if I can receive a text message from someone says, hey, I'm looking for a quote, does that trigger a Zapier to schedule my Calendly, right? Yep. Uh, so, no, it's smart. Yeah. I mean, Zapier is a super powerful tool. Like I've got a tech background, so it was very familiar to me to pick it up and I found it very powerful, but, but not everybody out there you know, understands the way technology works and understands the, the processes and the workflow. I think Zapier has done a really good job of making tech that's what I'm looking for. Make it uh, uh, accessible, if you will, for the non-technical people. But it still requires some really good logical thinking and you know workflow planning and you know technology evaluation. So I'm glad you mentioned that. We were big users of Zapier, and it's both internally and also in the way our platform works. So glad to hear that you guys have have discovered it as well. So curious, what have you what have you set it up for? What any, any specific flows that that work? I mean, are you using it for scheduling, using it for um, Google Ads transfer. 
Google ads and scheduling. Google ads. So, okay. Yep. So if we, if we have somebody interact with our website who does not call in, but who clicks on the ads, we have that information, whether it was on Safari on an iPhone or Chrome on an Android or Chrome on an iPhone or what, wherever they're at. And oftentimes there's contact information or at least geographical things. So we can consistently remarket to that individual, but Smart. also it'll set follow-up things like, Hey, we'd like to chat with you. We saw you were on our site. How can we help? Yep. And a lot of times it's just simply opening up that door that allows them to say, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll bite. Yeah. Sure. Good. Yeah. Well, look, they were interested, right? Maybe they were busy at the time. They didn't want to invest in it, but clearly they're, they're demonstrating some, some curiosity and interest. So I think that's, that's important to recognize. And then you just got to find them, find them at the right time when they might be open to a conversation. So I like that. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, look, I could talk all day about insure tech. There's no shortage of, of new solutions coming out, which are really interesting ones that we partner with connect into some, obviously that we deliver ourselves and so I'm, I'm so always fun to connect with people who, who love the space. And I'm curious to learn more about what you guys have done internally, because that, that kind of innovation, I think is, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's, it's definitely uncommon, right? To, for, right. to hear agencies doing that stuff on their own. So, so good for you. Thank you. Look, Scott, one of the things I, I love to hear from all of our, our guests is a little bit about what makes them special. And I know that's not an easy conversation for everybody to have, but the title of the podcast is uh, The Enlightened Agent. And enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what it is about you or your team that sets you apart? Is there anything that you guys are doing or that you're doing in particular that, that makes you enlightened? Any, any stories or examples to share? Sure. You know, the, the first one is, is really reading. Uh, I think that reading has uh, has been undervalued by a lot of a lot of folks in, in my I'll say age group or peer level group. Uh, there's a lot of great opportunities to really expand your own set of knowledge, and even 10 minutes a day, right? And, and it's hard to find 10 minutes a day, even when you've got you know kid pressures, you got after school stuff, you've got family pressures, you've got the work stuff, you've got client things that are all going on around you all the all the different times. How do you make time for yourself? So. I was recognized within our agency group as having a little bit more of a nerdy way about me, <laughs> so to speak. Okay. Yeah, I was in the marching band for eight years. I'm proud, proud of that. I was proud Michigan State Spartan marching band alumni. I'm going to be marching this weekend in the alumni, alumni band program, fall reunion. But the insurance nerd part of me really started when I took my CIC classes. I wanted to, to be a little bit more. I wanted to be able to differentiate myself, but I wasn't quite there yet. Who was me, right? Who am I? Who are you? Who was me? Those, it was difficult. But once I started deep sea diving into the insurance policies and got a greater understanding of my, my own lack of knowledge, I was able to go, wow, does everybody else not know this? And so at our agency group, when I finished the CIC, I was voted or I suppose selected, nominated, vol volunteered for. Invite, invited, maybe. Invited, sure. Told what to do. No, <laughs> the, to be the education chair. And so I've come up with this, this training program for our agents that, yeah, we touch on sales training. We touch on the personal lines. We touch on the market direction of our carriers and we talk about processes. But what gives me the greatest satisfaction is when I see the light bulbs turn on for some of our team members, go, oh, that's what that means. 
additional insured blanket by contract. Wow, that's that's a completely foreign concept. I thought that was only for property blanket. You know, wow. So basically spending an amount of time to look at what is available, find the gap for your own self and then share it for, with others and how it's meaningful. Because if we don't walk away from a class or a, PD, a professional development or a seminar with one client in mind that we should go back to and say, hey, guess what? We need to make a change then we haven't paid enough attention to our own either faults or the content presented because there's always something to be learned. There's always something changing. And so I loved seeing our agency grow in commercial and focus more on that. And the reason we did that was because Michigan automobile no fault reform was right upon us within the last 18 to 24 months. And it was a huge issue with our customers going to shop. How do we balance our book and make sure that we've got a, a blend of commercial accounts versus personal so that we don't see a mass exodus. And the mass exodus never materialized with a nice. huge, what was anticipated to be a huge shopping event for clients in Michigan. Yeah. But because we had that focus for commercial, we were actually able to retain an extraordinarily large amount of our personal lines customers and continue to grow because of how we handled that change and those expectations with customers and communicated with them. But then how we also focused on the commercial side of things. So, but sometimes you have to put the cart before the horse. Do you learn the policy coverage before you talk to the client or you talk to the client and then realize, I don't know what this is or how to protect it. Or I did the quote and the underwriters asking me if I need the products completed and ongoing products. Uh, right. Okay. Or right. ongoing operations. I don't know what that means. I've never heard of that before. And so all of a sudden, you rush at it, you have success with it, but then you start to bloody your nose a little bit because you're not quite there. So seeing folks be able to walk away from blooding their nose and go, okay, got this. Here's what we do. And we've got this, this process, this part of, of growth and education and understanding. That's the investment in our client's experience in our experience. And at the end of the day, on the agency side, the impact to our bottom line. Yeah. Scott, commercial insurance is complicated. I there's a lot of people trying to simplify it. There's just it, it's complicated. It's just part of the industry. It's part sure. of the product. It's part of the complexity of it. Frankly, the businesses out there all have the needs are different by industry, by size, by location. So you know the the amount of intellectual capital that you have in the agency and that you're able to capture and reshare is a huge driver for the success and the effectiveness of the agency. So uh, I did not realize that you had that role in the company. It's a, it's a very powerful role, right? That knowledge sharing, that training piece. And so you do that, what, across across the, the network of agencies? I don't know, sorry, I don't know what you call it, but across the partners, is that right? Yeah. So it's open to everybody and on the last Wednesday of every month. And so we have a schedule of what are we going to talk about? And a lot of times it'll be half an hour of work comp. And in November we're, or October, we're going to talk about ATVs and ORVs and snowmobiles because that's coming up. In May, we talk about boats. In March, we talk about motorcycles and RVs in April because these are the things that are in Michigan is important to our personal lines clients. But there's always going to be that commercial lines component of it. And oftentimes yep. we'll, we'll lean on some of our underwriters to pop on the call, say with the, our, one of my favorite partners to 
with that is the Hartford. Uh, love Alfonso, our underwriter to pieces. And he's been able to answer so many questions. And actually Progressive uh, was one where we found out one piece of information could actually impact the quote more than anything else. And we none of us had ever heard of it before. So a lot of times that collaboration, you know, bringing the other knowledge that we don't have, but we could have, how do we share all that and synthesize it into something again, that's relevant. And we can all walk away saying, Oh yeah, that was, what was that awesome. one piece of information? I'm, I'm very curious. Do you remember what that was? So, yeah. Oh, abso- oh, absolutely. I do. Plugging in the owner on a, like on a trucking company or on any business auto, the yeah. owner's social security number will run the, uh, the insurance scoring for that. And it actually, in many cases has actually helped win the deal because a lot of folks don't want to give that information up. It's not huh. required for most quotes, but that was a, an absolutely integral piece for a couple of our commercial auto clients this year. All right, guys. So owner's social security number for a commercial auto policy or a trucking policy. With progressive yeah. makes a big difference. Got it. Perfect. Well, Scott, it, it, it can, it can, <laughs> it can. It, hey, sure. you know what? It's hopefully there's a, there's a variety of things, but you know, you got to find those little, little nuggets to help you, yeah, uh, help you win the business. So, and then frankly, help the company more importantly. Well, look, this is Scott, this has been, you know, an enlightening conversation and uh, I've enjoyed having you on the show before we wrap up anything you'd like to say or share with our listeners. Yeah. You know, if I repeat anything over and over, it's going to be that authenticity. How can you create a client experience that is maybe not necessarily enjoyable, but understandable and easy to do business with? Are you being yourself or are you trying to find a way to relate to a customer that just isn't working because clients will often, or prospects will often figure that out. And it's just going to, it's just going to sour the pool. You're not going to get any traction with that. So if there's anything I can say is find out who you are. And again, like you asked me, what makes you, you, who am I, who is you? That is the first question that you can answer. And if you're, you're finding, trying to find a way to expand your own knowledge set without reading or doing anything, I highly recommend taking any of the CICs except for commercial casualty. If you're new to commercial, because that one will tear you apart uh, in a heartbeat. If you've never touched commercial, I can, I can say that with certainty. So Awesome. It's, it's just yeah. a great opportunity there. Yeah. Knowing who you are is not a trivial question, but a very valuable exercise to try and figure out. And frankly, revisit every couple of years, right? Because people change and, and you learn a lot of things along along the way and, and people evolve. So Scott, th- thanks a ton for coming on the show. Best of luck with the business for the rest of the year and all of your endeavors around training and education and look forward to working with you uh, in the coming weeks and months. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jason.